Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. This is a view from the top, an open space for industry experts to share knowledge, information, and expertise on the most relevant topics, events, and happenings under corresponding sectors. Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. Today's guest is Jose Luis Vargas, Executive Vice President at Provenir. Provenir helps fintechs and financial services providers make smarter decisions and provide world-class consumer experiences by bringing together the three essential components needed, data, AI, and decisioning. Provenir works with disruptive financial services organizations in more than 50 countries and processes more than 3 billion transactions annually. So, Jose Luis, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. First, I would like to give you this space for you to introduce yourself and Provenir and your role within the company. It's a pleasure to be here, Perla. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for the time. And hopefully we can have a conversation that will be of value of all the audience that you have in podcast. My name is Jose Vargas. I was born and raised in Mexico in what it used to be a small town. Now it's a large city, Torreón, Coahuila. And then we moved as a family to Mexico City, and I spent a good portion of my life in Mexico City. I studied in Mexico, and I then worked for international firms that, that generate spending time outside of uh, Mexico for many years, and I've been living for more than 20 years in the United States. My current role at Provenir is Executive Vice President and General Manager for Latin America. I come on board with Provenir to really co-found the region of Provenir, Latin America. And basically, Provenir is a technology company that is very focused to empower our customers that primarily are in the financial services industry, like neobanks, digital banks, fintechs, banks, retailers, telcos, auto lending, e-commerce platforms, payment platforms, that they have as the objective to lend or provide credit to the market. And our technology basically empower our customers to make smarter decisions through three main pillars of our technology, which is data, all types of data, traditional data, non-traditional data, as well as applying advanced analytics and methodologies of artificial intelligence, and as well as decisioning and orchestrating data and decisions for our customers. We've been in business as a company for almost 20 years, but in Latin America, we have only had a couple of years operating in Latin America. Excellent. Thank you for that great introduction. My first question is, how is the fintech sector in Mexico leveraging real-time decision-making systems to drive innovation, improve financial services, and cater to the evolving needs of the population? Yeah, that's a great question, Perla. Right now, what we've been observing in Mexico and across Latin America is that fintechs come to the picture in the last probably 10 years to really close a gap or facilitate financial products to the market that traditional financial entities were not providing to these segments of the market. And this was augmented through the process that we went through in the last three years with the pandemic, where we see all ourselves, you know, working, studying and doing our lives from home in a remotely way, where the people 
basically was not available to do their life in the outdoors, so to speak, and visiting a branch, a banking branch, where everything became very digitalized. I think the pandemic really augmented the relevance of the fintechs in Mexico and across the world. And fintechs have a strong culture of having products very appealing to the consumer, that they have low friction and they're easy to use and with easy access and 100% digital. That entails that at the back end, you have the necessary data, advanced analytics, and decisioning tools to make those decisions in a real-time manner very effective and provide that service to the customers. So the fintech industry has shown a great use and adoption of decision-making technology and decision analytics and data technology, and they have great advance on that. And that has also been transferred and somehow put that exposure into the financial services overall. Okay. And before moving on to the next question, is there something about the sector that surprised you when the pandemic hit or even after the pandemic, something that you discovered? Yeah, well, I think we were all trying to figure out what will look the world, you know, in probably around April, May 2020, I think many of us, we thought it would be something that it will last a couple of months and then we'll go back to business as usual. When we see ourselves that that will take more time than we expected, I think we bring the best out of the people being creative. I think that was a thing that it doesn't surprise me, but I think it's of a relevance of pointed out. Because I think people in a stress situation, in a difficult situation, in an adverse situation, bring the best out of it. And I think that what we saw, we saw during the pandemic that business didn't stop. And we all tried to think out of the box how to overcome the difficult situation of the pandemic. First of all, in terms of the personal well-being of the people, you know, by staying at home but also on the well-being of the companies by continue running the companies and figure out new products and new ways to reach out the consumer. So this was a great boost for the fintech industry because the DNA of the fintech industry is really to bring products to market in a digital way. So we have lots of examples of great fintechs and digital banks and neobanks that they have grown immensely during the pandemic because of this. Sure, it's very rapidly growing this sector. And now as a leader striving to be customer-centric, how do you ensure that your real-time decision-making system not only meets market demands, but also anticipate future customer needs? Yeah, I think there's two levels of these questions, two levels of answers of two questions. First, our primary customer at Provenir, it's a company that provides credit and financial products to the market, right? So us as a provider of another company, how we are very customer centric and also we anticipate the demands of our customers. And the second level will be the final end user, right? Which is you and I as a consumers using products of the lending companies, of the fintech companies, and how our technology 
will provide excellent customer experience and also anticipates to the needs of those customers. So going first on the latter, about the final end user, about the consumer, like you and I, that we want to have access to credit. Our technology has been able to break some paradigms in the market because the way the legacy systems work and the way that the traditional financial industry worked in the past was very focused to provide credit to people that has a specific profile that what that profile entails is that you must have previous experience or credit history, right? So you end up having a very limited scope of people and the percentage of the population of each country that has this experience, that have access to credit. And the people that were new to credit were not really a population or a segment on the market that was actively approached by the financial services industry. And this has many reasons, Perla. One of the reasons is you have legacy systems that are very structured. They're very good, but they're very structured, very close to consume different types of data and easily connect to different sources of data. So if you don't have that flexibility and if you don't have the rapidness, so to speak, to very quickly ingest different data sources, you're limited to only ingest the traditional data that you've been using for many, many years. That data only gives you insight primarily on the people that has credit history. So one of the limitations was the technology that you cannot bring more data sources. Another limitation is that many times the traditional financial services industry has been limited because of a heavy regulation. So FinTech doesn't have such a heavy regulation of traditional financial service company like a bank. So the FinTech can move you know, faster and more flexible because it doesn't have that big regulation that sometimes banks prohibit them to move faster. And the other component is that if you have limitation with the technology, you will not be able to see many data points of your consumer. And that is key to approach new segments on the market. If you want to go for the new to credit, people that they didn't have credit in the past, and this is going to be the first time they're going to have credit, you need to go to different data sources very rapidly in real time and have the flexibility to access those data points because that data becomes the means to make a good decision of that person that is new to credit. You can also apply advanced analytics with artificial intelligence techniques to assess the risk of identity, the risk of fraud, and the credit worthiness risk of the person and make a holistic decision on that person and being able to bring those new to credit into the formal financial system. And that has great benefits for the economies. Excellent. And I have heard experts 
talk about now with many more fintech options, how the real differentiator is going to be in how do you gather data regarding the new market you want to approach. Like there's only a number of people who are credit worthy and now the innovation lies in how you gather data from people, especially since in Mexico, we have a lot of informal businesses. And how do you have this ability to find out many more innovative ways to see how they can access to credits? Perla, that's an excellent question. And I think cloud technology opened an ocean of possibilities for us and for the entire market. In the past, most of the technology, and nowadays, in the traditional financial industry market, you have closed systems that are run on premises of these institutions and companies that has limitations. A non-prem technology, it has limitations to scale. It has limitations to rapidly and with good flexibility go and grab different data sources. The limitation lies that you need to depend a lot on the IT people and depend on a lot of hard code development to make interfaces and things. And that became very lengthy, no flexibility, and really tied the hands of the business experts, users of the technology that needs to define the strategy that are going to provide credit to this new-to-credit population. So with the cloud technology, having technology that is truly cloud, native cloud that has been developed to really run in the cloud, you can leverage a lot of features and capabilities that you have in the cloud to easily connect to different data sources. Today, we have a lot of data providers out there and that data is available. We don't have an issue of not having enough data anymore. We have it in the past. <laughs> Today, we don't have an issue to have availability of data. The challenge is how you access, how you use that data, and how you also rapidly assess the value of that data to make a decision. Because let's be honest, not all data is going to be relevant depending on your product, depending on your market, depending on the decision you want to make. But now, if you have a technology like the technology we have at Provenir, we can access in less than 24 hours to any data source, ingest that data, and incorporate that data in the decisioning process. And also build models on that data to see how predictive could be that data in the decision I want to make, like, for example, the credit worthiness of a person that is new to the credit. And you will be amazed that is enough data today to evaluate people that doesn't have a credit history in the risk central companies or credit bros, that there's enough data to have a good assessment of the risk to provide at least a level entry loan to this population. Probably you will not provide a huge loan or a very large amount of credit, but you can provide a decent-sized credit to this population and then continue to evaluate their behavior to promote them into a larger amounts of credit and then help the people 
to have access to the formal credit, which is, again, a huge impact on the economies. We have seen on and on that there is a high correlation between access to capital or access to credit. The correlation is very high to innovation and better income per capita in the countries. What I'm saying is on those countries that has large or better per capita income and high innovation, the common denominator is access to capital and access to credit. So that's sure. something that we should aspire in Latin America. We have done a good job in the last 10 years, but I think there's many, many things to continue advancing. We'll still see people without access to credit that is above 50%, 60% in some cases of the population of the country. Sure, it's a big differentiator. And now circling back to more technical questions, mm -hmm. in what ways can a drag and drop code free tool enhance collaboration and decision-making processes across different departments and stakeholders within an organization? Yeah, that's a very good question. And it goes deep into the operation and the use of this technology and how that became relevant inside of the companies. In the old days, decisioning technology, and in some cases in today's day, in some companies or in some institutions, you have a lot of dependency on writing code to make decisions and to automate decisions in a decision process to make a decision of who you're going to provide credit or who approve a loan or decline a loan or improve the credit limit, etc. Everything about risk management, credit risk management. So when you have a tool that is a no-code, drag-and-drop tool like Proveneers, you close the gap of the operational risk and error. In the old days, and in some cases in today's days, you have a user making a requirement and you have a programmer taking notes of the requirement and say, I need that the decision will take this piece of data, this piece of data, it goes to this source and then apply this rule and then does the segmentation and then apply this model to make a prediction and then make a decision. And once you make a decision, then you establish the amount that you're going to provide the credit, either an amount loan or a credit limit, if it's a revolving credit, and the pricing, right? And all that has to be programmed. And that, if you are the business user, which tends to be normally the risk people many times or the product owners or the people that is in charge to manage the PNL or their credit portfolio, they need to provide those requirements to the IT team. And the IT team needs to program that. And that takes time. And that drags resources out of the IT department. And then when the code is ready, they deploy it and they need to make tests. And that takes weeks, if not months, in many times. When you have a tool like Proveneers, where you drag and drop, basically, it's a configuration aspect very graphically, that the business user is in control. And then you close that gap of someone saying, this is what I want to do. And another person taking notes and program that. There's the same person that this is the strategy. And I'm the one putting this. 
that release a lot of resources from the IT department. They can be focused on more valuable tasks for the company that just taking notes of requirements of a user to then coding what the user is asking. That obviously brings a great benefit for both parties because the user can deploy very quickly their logic and their decisions and the data they're going to use and the model they're going to deploy. And then they release the IT resources to be more focused in a more valuable task of the business. Also, there's a lot of transparency. It is very hard for a business person to read code and to understand what is inside of the system making decisions. So you almost need a translator, right? Someone to explain what is in the code and then put it in a business language to then present it to the board or to the upper management or to the regulator. When you have a technology that is so graphic, so easy to use and drag and drop, uh, no code uh, like proveniers, everything, it's very transparent. You want to know as the CEO, the CFO, the CRO, what is really happening in the system. It is very graphic and you can show very quickly what is today configured in the platform that is making the decisions to approve or decline a loan. It makes it a very resourceful tool. And along the same lines, thinking about a broader landscape, how does this flexibility of a code-free tool empower businesses to quickly adapt to regulatory changes or industry standards without disrupting their operations? That's a very good question. And really the beginning and the origins of this technology was exactly that, Perla, was really, how can I develop a technology that the business can react very quickly to the demands of the market, the demands of the economy, or the demands of the regulator, right? You need, normally, you make changes in your strategies as a risk manager based upon several aspects, but I will summarize it in these three aspects whether the market is changing and you need to react basically on what the demands of the market or the competition. So you need to either create a new product or change some aspects of your product and you need to change it right away to go and provide that new future features of your product to the market. That's one aspect, the market and the competition. The second aspect you just clearly said Regulators, they ask you to do something very specific to manage correctly the risk of your portfolio, and you need to change some of your policies because the regulator is asking for it. And the third aspect has to do with the economy. Many times we are booming, right? And you need to press on the gas pedal and go after the market. And sometimes the economy just slows down and you need to be more conservative, right? So all those aspects in a technology that is a no-code, low-code, that is empowering the business user is at the hands of the user to make a change in a matter of a minutes. So what it will be in the past, in the old days, and sometimes in today's days in some institutions, it will take them 
you know, weeks or months to make a change, this is a matter of minutes. And it's the user and the strategic user that make the changes. Of course, that's the point of being so flexible. But on the other hand, what can you tell us about? What are some potential risks and challenges associated with relying solely on real-time decision-making systems? Mm -hmm. And how can businesses mitigate these risks effectively? Yeah, this is a very good point because great technology and powerful technology, if you use it correctly, you're going to have a very healthy business and you're going to have a business that is going to be growing and you're going to enable the commercial areas to go after the market and really enable them to grow the business. But if you make a wrong use of this powerful technology, with this I answer your question, and you don't have the right governance and the framework to use it and to deploy it, and you don't have the right expertise built inside of your institution, your company, then you can easily also damage and get in trouble. You can easily damage your portfolio. So it is as important to have a powerful tool to also have a well-knowledge, experienced user that can make a good orthodox use of the technology and that has a governance around it. It has to be a person that is analyzing the data, that is also providing the means of what should be changes to be made on the strategies. It has to be a person that is in charge to make the deployment of all these new criteria and also these all new models that many times many of our provenir users are really using different techniques of artificial intelligence within our platform. And it has to have also a governance of how you deploy those models. And those models has to be well verified and supervised by another team within the organization. So really there's a governance every time you deploy something into production that is going to be in the safest way possible because you want to make the automated decision as you meant it in the design of the strategy. And what advice could you give to businesses thinking about integrating these technological tools in an orderly way, in an effective way, mitigating mm -hmm. these risks as well? Nowadays, with the technology that we have developed at Provenir, we have customers that are going live in 30 days, 60 days, in full production mode, and they are taking advantage of the architecture of the technology that is in the cloud that has a good portion of the data sources already connected to our technology and already a lot of automatic mature learning methodologies to deploy models with artificial intelligence techniques. That in the past will take you months, if not years, to deploy it and bring the benefit out of the technology. Today, We have customers that in 60, 90 days are seeing the benefits of using the technology. So it's rapidly being able to use them. So in that sense, it is something that we're seeing a great benefit. And also that is helping and enable our customers to provide products to their customers that are more suitable. They're able to see in a more holistic way 
their customers because they're able to see many different angles of the data of the consumer and make the smarter and better decisions based upon that. Now, moving on to the last few questions. Mm -hmm. So far, thank you so much for sharing your insights. What are the specific challenges and opportunities that the buy now, pay later industry faces in the Mexican market? And how can a real-time decision-making system support its growth and customer satisfaction? Well, real-time decision-making in buy now, pay later is key. It is basically the king because the entire DNA of the buy now, pay later product is convenience. As you are buying in your e-commerce platform of your preference, and you decide to do the checkout. At the point of checkout, you have the option to put your credit card, your debit card, your PayPal account, any other methodology. But also at that moment, you might be offered an option to have a buy now, pay later loan. And at that moment, when you make a click, the real-time decision engine that is behind the scenes needs to make a decision of the credit worthiness of the person that is asking and come back in less than a second with a yes, congratulations, you've been approved. And now you can pay in an easy six months, no interest, the purchase that you did. So in that matter, Provenir has been the leader in the industry, the largest BMPL worldwide that they launched probably 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago, They're from Europe and they now are across all the world. They're our customers and they're leveraging the technology and they're making every year close to 800 million decisions with provenir technology. And that's real-time decisioning. So in this case, what are the opportunities that I see in Mexico? I think we're just seeing the beginning of buy now, pay later in Mexico. I think we have a good start Probably three years ago with the pandemic, we saw a big boom. Right now, the interest rates are growing and there is a different component on the market that is probably not growing as fast as it used to. But I think it put the basis to really learn from the last three years on the specifics of the Mexican market. And from there, I think we're going to see a steadily continued growth on this product because it's quite convenient. And it's not much of a difference of the product that probably our grandparents used to have in an analog way. I grew up in Torreón and the big retail store in Torreón was Soriana. And I remember my grandma going to Soriana. I wanted to buy a refrigerator. So she will ask for an installment loan to pay, you know, in little payments over time. It's basically the same, but now it's not an analog product. It's a digital product. And instead of going to the store, you're in the e-commerce platform. And instead of putting the refrigerator in your cart, you are doing everything digital. So it is an old concept that has been modernized through technology and digitized through technology. And now we have this old product refreshed in a digital way, call it buy now, pay later. 
Now we're at the last couple of questions. Can you share with us some insights into the current trends and future outlook for the integration of real-time decision-making systems in the Mexican buy now, pay later, fintech, retail, and telecommunication industries? Yes. I think we have really pushed forward to have in one unified platform what is the key factors that are necessary, what we're seeing as the future in the industry and is basically optimizing every single decision that you're making on your customers. What do you need to do that? You need a platform that is robust enough and powerful enough to scale as many decisions that you need to make per month, per week, per day, per hour, per second. Cloud technology allows you to really scale up in an unlimited way. The second aspect is you need to have quick, flexible, easy access to different data sources. Because what is true today is not going to be true tomorrow. What the data that I use today to make decision is good enough, is not going to be good enough tomorrow. Things change, the consumer behavior change, the preference change, the channels change, the frosters all the time are changing to commit fraudulent activity and you need to be ahead. And in order to be ahead, you need to have different data, different type of data and access that data easy. What I'm saying easy is I don't take more than one day to go and graph and make the connection and have that data available in my decision journeys that I build to make a decision upon a customer. And then the very key aspect that we're seeing that is a future that is now is that in order really to optimize and to make smarter decisions and to on and on make the right decision, evaluating the fraud risk evaluating the identity risk, evaluating the credit worthiness or the credit risk of a consumer, of an individual, is by applying advanced analytics with artificial intelligence techniques. So the trends, what we're seeing is really in real time, applying artificial intelligence to make a decision in less than a second. It doesn't matter how big of the data you are consuming to make that decision. Okay. Well, first, I want to thank you. And lastly, I would like to ask you if you have any podcasts or books that you would like to recommend to our audience along the lines of what we have discussed today. Yeah, well, I think I will recommend we have a podcast, which is a Disruptors, and I will recommend to your audience to, to listen to that podcast. I think there's a lot of business leader in the industry sharing their practical experiences using technology, using analytics, using data to make decisions on managing their credit portfolios. So that's a podcast that I will recommend. I would like to thank you. It's been a great discussion. It's been great to hear your expert opinion. And thank you so much for sharing with us your insights. 
It has been a pleasure, Perla, talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much to your audience. I truly hope that we can provide a little bit of insight and, and light on what is this technology and this very rapidly growing industry. That's today's podcast. And don't forget to follow us, leave a rating and a review on whichever streaming platform you are using to listen to this podcast. And if you want to learn more about Mexico Vista's ecosystem, don't miss out on our audio articles written by experts across all our industries. We'll see you next Monday with a new view from the top. Mm -hmm.